Let's pray. And let's go uh, to the book of Romans. We're in a series, and we're going to be two weeks talking about the power of of the gospel. God's power, the power of the gospel. Why is the gospel so important? And Paul is laying that foundation because this is the foundation for the whole book. And if you miss, um, and you can go back and look at the live streams, but chapter uh, 1, verses 1 through 17, is the whole foundation of Romans. And so if you understand these verses, it really helps to unpack the rest of Romans. And so we want to take it slowly so we can understand everything uh, together and what God is teaching us and how does that affect us, not only personally, but as a church body. So let's ask God to bless his word this morning. Lord, we desperately need you. We thank you that you uh, give the body of Christ your spirit to teach us the things that we need to know, to guide us, to lead us to the truth. Thank you for your truth. Your word is truth. The sum of your word is truth. You tell us in Psalm 119, thank you for giving us this word that's living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to surgically help us to do surgery on our hearts and our lives to correct things. That way we are useful in your hands, the master. Lord, that is our desire. Lord, I pray that this sermon would not be about me, but Lord, as we preach, as we listen to your word, that we would take in the full depth of your word, and Lord, we would allow it to surgically repair our hearts, to center our focus on you, to realize some things that we need to grow or change. So Lord, we can be useful in your hands. Lord, we desire to be useful as a church body that we might encourage and help and see people saved as you build the church. May we be useful that you would use this body to build your church. And so, Lord, we ask humbly for your help as we study your word, as we read it, as we hear it, and as we try to apply it to our lives. May we be directed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The power of the gospel. In Romans chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 11 and, and we'll look at our text as verse 16 this morning. And, look, and we're going to read through verse 17. Paul is talking to Rome, his desire to be there. He's writing this about the gospel, about the fact that he's a slave of Christ, a slave to the gospel, a slave to God. And so he says to them in verse 11, he goes on to say, For I long to see you, that's the church of Rome, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be strengthened, that is, to be mutually encouraged while among you by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may have some fruit among you also." even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarian, both to the wise and both to the foolish. In this way, for my part, I am eager to proclaim the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Paul is bringing into the end of his statement really the crux of the whole matter of Romans. He's talking about power, the power of the gospel. As he talks about power, we often think power is often desired. We want power. We want to live powerful lives. We don't want to be insignificant. We want people to recognize us. Sometimes we want power just so people will see us, identify who we are, that we're important. Power sometimes brings Security. We think, if I'm powerful enough, I'll have security. If I have enough money, I'll be secure. We want power. We represent power in many different ways, whether it's relationships, money, things, significance in the culture, in life, with people. Power can be represented many different ways. In fact, the Webster Dictionary says this, power is the ability to act or proceed to cause an effect, to have an effect on people. We like that. Or it's power can be identified, it's defined as possession of control, authority, or influence over others. It went on to define it this way, as power, it can be physical, mental, or political, in might, in strength. But we often forget how much power the gospel has. In fact, that's what Paul is talking about here, that we forget. And he goes, as I come to you, I want you to remind you how powerful the gospel really is. Often, we sometimes put power in our ability or in objects or in things. We want to relieve stress. We want to relieve fear. And so we look at power sometimes in a wrong way way. But Paul is saying that the power is in the gospel itself. If you realize what he's saying in verse 15, we talked about a little bit this last uh, two weeks ago when I was talking about this, but he says he is eager to proclaim the gospel. That was what controlled Paul. And he's talking about it here. He says, I am eager to preach the gospel. Why? Why is Paul eager to preach the gospel? Because he's not ashamed of the gospel. Think about that. He's not ashamed of the gospel. Why would he be so eager to preach the gospel? The people didn't think the gospel was anything. It wasn't really flashy. It wasn't really of that importance. In fact, think about it in the culture, whether it's Greek or Romans, they set up deities, whether it was human deities in Caesar or deities in demigods, whether, you know, they made up their own deities. They made up stories about these deities. And they had all of these things. And why in the world would you put all your hope in a deity that would die? Right? The gospel was foolish to the Greeks. It was foolishness in the culture. It didn't make any sense to them. But Paul was eager to preach the gospel because he was not ashamed of the gospel. It's easy to be ashamed of the gospel. Many times when we 
have the wrong gospel or the wrong view of the gospel or we put importance in the wrong good news. It's easy to be ashamed of the gospel. There are many gospels. There are many good news. But there's only one real powerful gospel, the gospel of Christ, which Paul talks about in verse 2 and 3 of Romans 1. Fortunately, in our culture, in our society, and with people, they, they have the gospel of religion. It says, if you just turn over a new leaf and live a moral life, you will have power. They put the gospel in religion. It's not the real gospel. It's not the gospel of Christ. There's a gospel of materialism. Your worth in your, is determined by what you have or how much you have. The gain is, gain is the goal of life. What can you gain? You can, do I, have I gained a wife? Have I gained a husband? Have I gained friends? Have I gained money? Have I gained, you know, more pigs? <laughs> have, I, have I gained on my farm? Have I, or have I lost, right? Have I gained? What is it? Gain is the goal. We have the gospel of materialism. We have the gospel of liberalism. It says, I'm okay, and you're okay, and God accepts everybody, and we're all okay, and heaven will exist with all, that, that, all the okay. That's really what liberalism is. There's the gospel of society. Do as you please, because life is short. Do everything you want or desire, because you've got to live for now. The gospel of society. But Paul's message, on the other hand, is you're a sinner. Your sin creates death. Death you deserve. But Christ is the good news because he died for you. 100% man, 100% God, who took on the sin, your sin, and he laid it on the cross so that way in, he, when he died, he killed your sin. And when he lived and rose again, we now can live in his life. God loves you and sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. Jesus died for your sins and rose from the death to take away God's wrath, to take all of our sin and take all of his goodness he gave us all of his goodness and he took all of our sin. If you put all your faith and trust in him, you'll be saved. That's the good news. That's the real gospel is Christ. Why is Paul eager to preach the gospel? Because he's not ashamed. Why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of God. It's real power. I dare to say it's the only power that matters, right? A lot of times we talk about power, it's like, well, how big's your engine, right? Today, it's the power is how big's your battery on your car because <laughs> the gas prices are so high, right? It's all relative today, but that's the way power is. Power is all relative. Today, what's powerful? Tomorrow, not so powerful. But Christ is the power of God. We do not have to make 
the gospel powerful because it is the power of God. The ancient world in Paul's day had a, was dominated by Greek logic, the Roman law, and the Hebrew thought. But all paled in comparison before the supremacy of the gospel of God, before real power. By the way, you think about it, what was, you know, he was not ashamed of the gospel because it is the real power. But think about this. This Caesar, Caesar would be, would come in with the army dragging all of the political prisoners. And think about it, all the people love Caesar because as he would be paraded through Rome and he would come into the city, he would take all the spoils of war. And where did all the food and income for all the social living of their day, where did it come from? Why did they worship Caesar? Because Caesar would come in and he'd come in as not the conquering hero, but the conquering God. And they would distribute the food. They would distribute slaves. They would distribute things, property, animals. And they would worship Caesar as God. But think about it. Christ didn't come as the conqueror. He came as a humble slave. He came through Jerusalem, paraded, persecuted, spat upon, humiliated, but carrying the cross. He didn't come to distribute wealth, property. He didn't come in power. But the work on the cross produced power, everlasting power. And here is this gospel coming to Rome where they venerate power, the power of Rome, right? The Colosseum was the power of Rome, the wealth of Rome. It's still there today, but it's in shambles. I got to walk in Rome, got to walk the streets of Rome, I got to walk through the, all of that, and just to see, it's still there, it's amazing, but it's fallen apart. I also got to see the Pope come out and address all the people, and they venerated the Pope, just like Caesar, giving a false gospel. All their power is in the church in Rome. But our power is in Christ, who lives forevermore, who one day will come as the conquering king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow before Christ. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It represents all the power of God. Why Paul is not ashamed well, the gospel sets apart, is set apart by the sovereign power. I'm going to make Pastor Ralph proud. I'm going to give you a lot of peas today, every single one of these points. Right? The gospel is set apart by the sovereign power. Power is, is the word dunamis. It means, it's, you know the word dunamis? You know, it sounds like the word dynamite. It's the exact word we get dynamite, right? It's, it's a huge explosion, but it was meant more than just a huge explosion. 
Dunamis is the power that overcomes resistance. The gospel is the power that overcomes the resistance of our sin, the resistance of our life. The gospel is set apart by divine, sovereign power of God. Dunamis, it's the power in action. It's the power to accomplish something. It's real power. It's a power that has the ability to produce a strong, explosive effect. Paul knew that the gospel was explosive because he knew it in his own life. He was Saul who was going to persecute Christians. He was a murderer of Christians. And yet, in all of Paul's glory, when he lived his life as Saul... He met Christ face to face on the road to Damascus. And in that power, it threw him down and changed his life forever. Real explosive power. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power in full display. That's why we read 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 19 the Corinthian church is arguing and they were like, oh no, I, I follow this person or I follow that person and their power was in things. It was in people. It was in things. It was in ability. What they could do or they couldn't do. They were following and modeling the Greek culture and the Roman culture about who had power. Whether it was in words of eloquence or it was words of in deeds or in who that they followed or baptized by. But God says in verse 17, he says, for Christ did not send, talking about Paul, for Christ did not send me to baptize, and referring to the fact that it's not that baptism is not good, it's that it's not the main thing. He says here, just like he didn't send him to be another John the Baptist. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom. By the way, you know, the church in Corinth, they said Paul was nothing to look at. That means he wasn't pleasing to the eye. He wasn't like a Greek god. He wasn't a chiseled, you know, statue. So there's hope for me yet. (laughs) And he goes, and they said, you're not eloquent. You don't even sound good when you talk. I'm in good company then. (laughs) And he says, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why was Paul not ashamed? It's because the gospel is set apart by God's power. Deuteronomy 32, we see that is God's power is irresistible. It's undeniable. In Job 5, his power is unsearchable. We can never search and understand all of his power. In Psalm 79, his power is beyond great. In Psalm 89, we see that it's incorruptible. His power can't be corrupted. That's why when he saves us, when he saved you, it can't, your salvation cannot be corrupted because it is God's power that saved you. His strong power in Psalm 
89. It's an everlasting power, Isaiah 26. God's power is, is an effectual power. It caused a great effect, it says in Isaiah 43. And in Romans 9.21, Paul goes on to explain that the gospel is God's sovereign power. That's what he was trying to teach in the church of Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, what is the immiserable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ? What is the power of God? His immeasurable greatness. Where is it on display? How do we know what it is? He says in verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him the head over the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all things. The power is in the very work of Christ on the cross. Why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Why should we as the body of Christ not be ashamed of the gospel? Why should we love to share the gospel? It's because it is God's power on display. There is nothing more powerful than the gospel. Do you want to see God's power? The gospel is the only thing that completely changed the direction of people's lives. God's power. The gospel. The second thing is, why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is God's power, but the gospel is marked by a singular purpose. It's God's singular plan. It's this purpose, and that is to save us. For, God, for it is the power of God for salvation. What is God's power for? It's to save. It's not for us to say, wow, we serve, you know, it's not just to say that we serve a great God. We do, we glorify God, we worship God, but God's power is on display because of the gospel. God's power is for salvation. Why is Paul not ashamed? He, didn't, he wasn't ashamed by Christ walking through with the cross through Jerusalem. He wasn't ashamed because his God went to the cross and died for us. He wasn't ashamed of Christ. He wasn't ashamed of the message of the cross. He didn't venerate Caesar as powerful, but he worshiped Christ because the power is in our salvation. Salvation, the word, carried a huge impact in society in Paul's day. It's the basic word for deliverance, to be delivered from something that's horrific, to need someone to change the direction of your life, to deliver you from something. When Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation, it's for your deliverance. This concept was applied not only to personal but also to the national deliverance. It means to be safely delivered, to, be, to have preservation, but to be deliverance from all things, to be rescued from harm and danger. God's desire in saving us as sinners is to forever deliver us from spiritual death, from being defiled by sin, from being controlled by sin, 
to being under the destruction of sin. The salvation, our deliverance from sin is the power of God. Stop and think about that. To no longer to be under the consequences of sin, that is powerful. That's why he sent the gospel. We see that salvation is the power of God that rescues us from the penalty of sin. It rescues us. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, he says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. He delivers us from God's wrath. He delivers us from the penalty of sin. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. That's horrible. I like the comma there, right? Tells us that there's something else to come or the word but. It means that everything is negated. When you use, that's why you never say, I'm sorry, but. You know they're not sorry. <laughs> never say you're, you're sorry and then use the word but right after that. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in by or through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Christ. The power is in Christ. Our deliverance from sin is Christ. We can never underestimate that power. That's what Ephesians 2 is all about. We were dead in the trespasses of our sins, but, but God changed all that. He made us alive. Right? Have you ever seen somebody that I was there doing CPR on a guy? We were at a pastor's conference, and the guy that was leading us out of, he was a, de- a deacon at the church that was serving us. He was walking ahead of us out of the bathroom and, and taking us to where we were supposed to go, and he just had a heart attack and collapsed right in front of us. And he wasn't breathing, his heart wasn't beating. We started doing CPR, doing mouth-to-mouth, until the paramedics came there, and he was still dead. They took him in the ambulance, and a half an hour later, as they were in the ambulance going to the hospital, he just came right back. And he says, I got to go back. I got to (laughs) serve. And they're like, you had a heart attack. You are not going back. They were using the paddles. No, and nothing was happening. They had finally given up on him, and he just came right back. We can't save ourselves. But God took the gospel and boom, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his power, and made us alive. Rescues us from sin. Salvation delivers us, delivers the believer from the power of sin. He delivers us, the believer, the power overtakes us. Romans chapter 6, verse, verse 6, it says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the, the body of sin might no longer be brought to, or might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to the power of sin. We should no longer be enslaved to sin by its power. The gospel gives us the power to get away, to break free from sin. Without the gospel, without the work of Christ, we cannot break away from sin. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is that power 
that keeps us from sin. That's why Israel constantly had to make sacrifice, was because they could never break away from sin. That's true to us today. We cannot break away from sin without the gospel. We need the gospel. That's why we ever live before the gospel. Salvation is the power of God that produces real life. It's God's singular purpose in using his power through the gospel. It produces real life. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He called us by the gospel. His divine power is granted to all things. Galatians 5.22, through the gospel, when he saved us through the power of the gospel, to give us the Holy, he gave us the Holy Spirit to have peace, to have joy, to have kindness, to have gentleness, to have fruitfulness and faithfulness and self-control. And if you don't have any of these things, you're not living in the power of the gospel. The Holy Spirit gives us those things. Salvation in verse 16, it says, For I am ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. But the gospel is power is marked by one other thing, and that is the gospel is marked by a simple plan. It's a simple plan. Why is he not ashamed? Because it, it is the true thing that brings equality to everybody. You can do everything you want in this world to bring equality, and it'll never happen because we're not the same. None of us are the same. We're all different. We're all supposed to be different. God created us that way. We all have different abilities, different personalities, different things that we can and can't do. We all have different gifts. We're all different, but Christ is the same. The gospel is the same. He says, for, it is for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's to everyone. It's a simple plan. There's a condition to God's power. God's power isn't just for everyone like they say today. It's if you put your faith and hope in Christ for those who believe. It's very simple. Have you surrendered to Christ? The word believes means, do you know what the word believe actually means in the Greek? It means to adhere to something. What, do you, what are you adhering to? Is the power in your life, is, is the goals of your life, are you adhering to other things, other idols, other desires that you think are going to give you power in your life? Paul says, no, it is to everyone who believes, adheres to. That's the idea behind belief. It's, it's a perf- personal commitment and surrender to God's truth about the gospel. Have you surrendered and committed yourself to the Lord? Have you said, I surrender? It's not my life, it's your life that you lived and died on the cross. And I realize you did that as a gift for me, not by works, lest any of us could boast. It's not about religious works, it's not about anything I can do, it's about Christ. The power is in Christ and what he did for us. Is that your belief? 
By the way, the word belief is both in the present and active voice. It's a continual belief. It's a continual action, a continual commitment to God's truth. It's a personal commitment and surrender to the Lord. Salvation is not something that we achieve, but something we receive from God. It's given by God to us, when, and it's activated when we believe. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, it's conditional, he gave the right. It's God's power. He gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born by God. That's the power of the gospel. The salvation, the power of salvation that comes from God, the gospel of Christ, is a great inclusive salvation. It gathers to himself all different kinds of people to become one body in Christ. The gospel is marked by a simple plan. What do you put your faith and trust in? It's so easy to put your faith and trust in so many things. As we finish this morning, as we conclude, I want to ask you a couple questions. We must never forget that our mission is not a fool's errand in our labor in life. It's a waste of time and effort. It's in Christ. It's in the gospel. The real power in our life is the gospel of Christ. We must surrender our broken lives to Christ. We must continue to surrender and not follow the broken human wisdom of this age. What are you relying on to have power in? What are you relying on to have power in your life? What are you relying on to change your life? What do you think it is that will change your life? If it's not the gospel, it won't matter. It won't change. That's why I, t- I turn my life over to the Lord. My life, I thought it mattered because I was good at sports. I was good. I loved, I loved track, not because I, I hate running. I th- I, I, what in the world are you doing when you run? There's, to me, it's just, I, I, can do, I can starve myself and lose weight. <laughs> I don't need to run. But I ran because I could beat people. I thought it was great. People liked me because I was good at baseball. I thought the power in my life, I, every, it changed my life. I thought baseball and track were going to change my life forever. So I quit going to church for a while. I quit going to youth group. I gave everything to that. It was powerful. I thought it was going to change my life. And then I broke my leg in five places. Then I strained my knee and broke my other leg, but I had two casts on that at the same time, one on one leg. God was really trying to get my attention. And I realized 
that everything that I thought was powerful was corrupted and would be taken away at any moment. I've seen people put all their power in sports. I've seen people put all their power of their life in work. I've seen everything about family and then family falls apart. I've seen all the power in their life. It's about something and it falls apart and then we're miserable. What do you put your belief in that's going to be powerful enough to change your life? Maybe you say, if I, if I get married, my life will be more powerful, more meaningful. Maybe you say, if, if I have a better marriage, it'll be more meaningful. I, my marriage is horrible. I just need a better marriage. If I have a better marriage, I've seen more breakups just because of that thought. And they, they divorce a sinful person and then they marry another sinful person. I'm sorry to tell you that. It happens. And then they come back to me and say, that person that I married is horrible. I said, I could have told you that. In fact, I did tell you that. <laughs> if the power of your life is a better marriage, you're going to struggle. If the power of your life is better friends or more friends, you're going to struggle. If the power of your life is in more money, you're going to struggle because easy come, easy go, right? Inflation. One day it's worth a dollar and the next day it's worth 50 cents. Maybe it's in a better job. Maybe the power in your life is, is having better kids. Maybe as kids you think, if I just had better parents, my life would be better. Maybe it's just having better things. Where's your, the power? Where are you putting in your life that you want, you think, if I just had this, my life would be different? I'm here to tell you, there is nothing that'll change your life. None of these things. We just had a better president. It doesn't matter, guys, whether you have a good president or not. It doesn't matter whether we have a good nation or not. What matters, whether you have the gospel or not. Guys, I mean, the only power to change your life and to continue to change your life is the gospel of Christ. Is that the power that you are relying on? The sad thing is many believers get saved and they know that they need Christ and they give their life to Christ only to sit and wait for Christ. And they wonder why their life is miserable. Because you're no longer walking with the gospel. Paul is saying to Rome, I want to come to you and continue to give you that which is the most powerful. Don't look to Caesar. Don't look to food. Don't look to the Colosseum. Don't look to society. Look to Christ in your life. Is that the most, is that the most important thing in your life? If it is, God will give you power to deal with the ups and downs of your life through the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have shared with us the thing that's the most powerful thing to affect our life, and that is you. Lord, I pray that right now someone's watching or sitting here this morning and they, they have not surrendered. They, they know Christ. They said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but 
the re- what they're saying is that they know that Jesus is true, but they've never surrendered their life to you. That they really don't, they haven't put their belief, their faith, their trust in you. It's to have a belief that actually changes their life because it's no longer their life, but the life that you lived that changes us, that saves us from our sins, from the wrath to come. Lord, I pray that they would, realizing that they need to have a payment for their sin and that nothing good will change their life. No religion, no things, nothing good will change their life. Only the Savior, the power of the cross, the power of Christ, your power through the gospel. I pray that they would surrender to you this morning that they would call out to you and be saved from their sin. As we finish praying and as we sing this morning, I pray that they would just surrender to you this morning and get saved. Lord, just that they would talk to you from their heart, not from their head, that they would believe, put their faith in you, and surrender. Lord, I just thank you for this message, the the importance of the gospel, that it is the only power that matters in our life. I pray that we would live with that power each day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.